0: Oh, that's uh, cool.
1: So funny how these young people are really surprised when one of their stars, one of their two of their Instagram and uh, rap stars, 50 Cent and Jay Mazzini, show up at a Burger King in I think it was Queens, New York. Let's see. 50 Cent surprised a few lucky Burger King employees with one heck of a tip while walking up to the drive through at one of the restaurants locations in Queens, New York on Tuesday, September 8th. The in the club, rapper and Instagram personality Jay Mazzini handed out a number of handsome tips for the fast food workers, shelling out more than $30,000 in cash. That was nice. As shown in videos shared across Twitter, 50, and Mazzini can be seen greeting a group of Burger King employees at the window before inviting them to come over and share how they're holding up amid the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. Quote, how's life treating you? How is everything with covid they paying right? The 24-year-old internet star asks the group of star-struck workers. Mazzini then surprises the group when he waves over the power producer explaining that they want to quote, show love to you guys. It's at that point when Both stars started handing out wads of cash to the employees who couldn't be more excited by the offer. And here's a video, Jay Massini, from his Instagram, yeah, you can watch it on Instagram. He already has 115,953 likes. He wrote me and 50 cents. Me and at 50 cents. Had to shut Burger King down in Southside, Queens. Passed over 30K. Me and 50 me and add 50 cents to these hard workers during this pandemic FIF or Fife told me I really like what you're doing I told him it's good karma At the end of the day, big bro, change lives and connect with real ones. South Side Queens, stand up. You deserve it. And J. is the real deal. He saw me in the hood. Okay, this is one of the comments. There's over 5,900 comments. Quote, at J. Mazzini is the real deal. He saw me in the hood. 50 wrote on Instagram with a two-minute clip of the encounter. Yesterday, so we went tonight and showed... Everybody's in love. Me and 50... Me and at 50 cents had to shut Burger King down in Southside, Queens. <laughs> Anyone who's a fan of... A fan of the viral celebrity knows he's big on collaborating with celebrities to give out money to locals wherever he goes and unsuspecting fast food workers appear to be his most popular recipients. Earlier this month Mazzini linked up with rapper Fabulous Shocked Checkers workers in New Jersey with $5,000 cash tips each. Oh. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice. be more like him
2: Forward, why it seemingly is that we always keep learning the same lessons over and over again. So, what it really boils down to is do you really want closure in your life? Yes, I'm calling people out today because many of us know that some of us enjoy playing the victim, some of us love. The pity party aspect. Some of us cannot wait to call up our girlfriends and our guy friends and share with them some of the drama that is going on in our lives. And so this keeps us engaged socially with people. But if we really want to be kingdom builders, if we really want to pursue our purpose and our passion, the life in which God has meant for us to live, we have to come to an understanding that closure is necessary in order to be able to move our lives forward. So how is it that we begin to find closure in our lives? Closure each and every day provides us with an opportunity to keep things focused in our lives. If you're off-centered, if you're off-balance, if you are not understanding His plan and His will for your life, it could be that your past keeps creeping up on you. Why is that possible and how is it possible? Today what I'd like to do is share with you four Maybe five tips and steps about how do you really pursue closure? How do you know that you have attained closure? And when do you recognize and realize that you are ready to move yourself forward? Each and every day, we are faced with challenges and obstacles and situations, circumstances, difficulties that unseemingly get the best of us. But let me tell you today, the
1: It's Reverend Doctor Jackie Hood Martin, wife of Roland
2: Most of the time, Martin. Roland introduces me when I'm being introduced to people for the first time is this is my wife, Reverend Jackie. I am Jackie Hood Martin. My husband is Roland S. Martin and we met at church. Ministry was probably the second term because when I grew up, I always said I wanted to be um, a psychiatrist and I was going to help fix people. But oddly enough, for the purposes of um, having money, I went to a um, magnet school, High School for Health Professions in Houston. So my trade craft is um, dental office work. Truly, some of the things that happen to you when you're younger are the things that shape who you are and who you become. And they also guide you toward the direction in which you see yourself working and helping other people. Um, Let's see. um, I'll just jump right in. At 11, I was abducted um, by my neighbor. So we're standing on the driveway talking. And the next thing I know, I'm being snatched and pulled into a garage. And at that moment, my life flashed before my eyes. I'm thinking, this is not happening to me. And so we're fu- str- struggling. We're fighting. He's, you know, taking the opportunity to pin me down. I'm biting his arm. Flesh is an interesting thing because it gives you the opportunity for fear to really sink in. But it also releases something in you to say, you know what? I do have the will to survive, and I am going to fight back. And no sooner than I'm pinned to the ground, a car pulls up in our driveway. He jumps up, runs out the back door. I pull up my clothes and run out the front door, and nobody's there. And at that moment, I thank God every day for his saving grace. And I ran to the neighbor's house next door to the family that was there. Needless to say, at the end of all of this, I get punished for not being home when my mother gets home. I never told her why. She punished me. It was not until I received my call to ministry some 10 years later that I wrote this big, long letter saying, here's why you punished me 10 years ago. These are the things that happened. We never spoke about it. That day before I preached my first sermon, she gave me a huge hug, said she understood, and all was well with my world. My biggest aha moment. I think my biggest aha moment is coming to the understanding that what I'm doing right now, in this season in my life, is where I need to be. Some people, in a sense, can hear God speaking to them through their circumstances. I got my call to ministry when I was 13, but later in life, at the age of 18, when I went to college, sitting in church, I clearly heard God call me and say a passage of scripture that's recorded here, my Lord, send me. And it was at that moment that I surrendered to the call of empowering women we all are here for a purpose, and living that purpose is what gives us the fulfillment.
1: That was a CNN Red Chair interview with Jackie Hood Martin, Roland S. Martin's wife. And they certainly are a beautiful couple. They really are. She brings out the the maximum gifts in him. There was some other posts for her. And now it's on a. A continuous autoplay. So they skipped over to him. Where he's asking what Bible are you reading? He's asking Paula White what Bible is she reading? Now we have to scroll a bit. Let's listen to Marvin Sapp on why he walked away from his church, the book of Sean. It's nine minutes and 34 seconds.
0: In your life, what would the title be? Well, uh, if I had to name the chapter in my life, I think I would name it transition. Uh, Just simply because, you know, right now for me, everything is new and it's fresh and it's new and fresh just simply because I made a decision to step out of my comfort zone and to do something that I've never done before in order to start something that is fresh and new. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I've always lived a comfortable life, believe it or not. You know, I, I, I was in the city that I was born and raised in my entire life. And uh, a year ago, I made a decision to leave everything. You know, I sold my home, uh, all of the furniture that I had, it's still there in storage. Um, And I walked away from a church that I founded and pastored for 16 years. I burned the mortgage and announced the new senior pastor all the same day. And I I, I packed my bags and I moved to a city. Uh, that I, I never thought I would live any place other than Michigan. I mean, I went to Texas, so you know, just transitioning and and walking away from everything and starting fresh and starting new. Um, I really didn't know how bad I needed it, and I began to realize that I was actually dying where I was, and I wasn't being as effective as I could be. And I wasn't benefiting the people that I was covering and pastoring. Um, so being here, it not only revived me, but it also revived my my former church as well.
3: Mm. Wow! 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 <laughs> you 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 you're not playing starting off here, so okay. Uh, I'm I'm ready for you, Bishop. I came ready for you tonight. So so let me ask you this. Um, when you say you were dying, you know, what do you mean? Because one of the things I've learned, Bishop, is this, is that when, 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 when the soul is broken, um, the, the blood that runs there, it, it makes no sound. You can't hear that bleeding. Right. Um, and so people don't know that it's happening. So when you say that, that
0: you were going through that, you know, what, what, what do you mean? Well, you know, I make this statement all the time. I tell people all the time that you can't be anything to anyone until you're everything to yourself. You, you can't be anything to anyone, to everything to yourself. And, and I found myself at that particular point in time, I was like, just going through the motions. I was, mm. I was, I was in autopilot because, you know, all of the stress and the pressures, uh, the hardships and the heartaches that I had gone through in my city. Um, you know, from the passing of my wife, it'd be 10 years ago, my late wife, from her passing to having to raise children, trying to figure out how to navigate through that business practices with charter schools and all of these different things that were kind of thrust into my hands. So what I found myself doing is that I found myself just functioning and trying to be everything to everyone, but not really being everything to myself. So I'm, I'm walking wounded, like you were just talking. I'm, I'm bleeding, and, and nobody can see me bleed because it wasn't happening on the outside. It was happening on the inside. Um, so for two years, I prayed and I really asked God about direction. And and after seeking him and him releasing me from my city, uh, which was shocking um, because I never thought again. You know, it's, it's easy to pack your bags when you're 22. Um, when you're 32, you think about it a little bit more. When you're 42, you kind of Go back and forth with it, but at fifty two, you better know it's God. You better know it's God <laughs> <laughs> If you gonna walk away from everything, you better know it's God. It better be God. It better be God. And people assumed when I left that I was leaving to go to a mega church, and I wasn't. I wasn't going to a mega church. I was just going to a new start and yeah. fresh beginning. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's been great, man. I love it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm thankful that. You know, I was mature enough and strong enough to make that decision. Um, My my middle child told me, uh, she said, Daddy, I didn't think you were going to leave. I I really didn't think you were going to do it. Yeah. And the reason why is because she understood and felt like I was knitted to to, to, to that situation. And I came to realize that, you know, this church would be better without me because I'm wounded. And the healing won't take place until somebody else steps in my place.
3: Yeah, no, it, that's rich. I mean, all of that's rich. And first, thank you for sharing that, you know, letting, letting, letting all of us into your internal deliberations about that. Because, you know, people obviously know that you, that you left Michigan and you went to Texas and you're pastoring there. But but of course, as you know, as people who follow your music and your career, we didn't know what the deliberation was behind it. And so I, I appreciate you sharing that with all of us. because, you know, people marvel at you and, and they respect you and love your work and your music. And it's all it's 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 gonna sound crazy, but it's good to
0: know that you struggle too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. I mean that's 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 normal. And you know, this is, may sound cliche ish, but the truth of the matter is is that you know, all of us have those never would have made it moments. You know, we have. them, And uh, that was mine. it was yeah. it was, you know, am I going to remain in this position and posture or am I going to go to the other side of it and become stronger, wiser and better?
3: Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and,
0: and, and that's what we did. And, you know, I believe now that the rest of my day is going to be best thing. Well, I,
3: I believe that you should be saluted for that, because I, I think I think it takes a hell of a man to know when his part in the story or the journey is over. Because yeah. um, because it's so much easier to double down based upon ego mm-hmm. and pride and insecurity and just to say, I shall remain. <laughs> but it takes. But yeah, especially
0: yeah. yeah, it it when you start it. Especially when you started nowhere, I'm staying right here. I don't care if everybody leave. Uh, I'm staying. (laughs) (laughs) It's (laughs) my baby. I was like, no, no, that's it's not fair to them. And then again, you know, not being selfish, but it wasn't fair to me. And uh, most of all, yeah, most of all. Sometimes you really you're not being selfish when you when you need to be self focused. Yeah, and I think that that's what many of us miss. That there's a difference between being selfish and self focused, and yeah. I just like it was time for me to be self focused.
3: No, I love it. I love it. Listen, I'm I'm going to take a break in a second, but but what I just got from everything I think you you've been saying to us is sometimes the love. Sometimes the only way to love a thing is to leave it, and sometimes leaving is love. And we don't we don't often think that we think leaving is staying, and that's true. That's true. But to stay with you does not mean that I have to be there with you. Um, take me into your, your single, your new single that you've released. Thank you for it all. I want to end with that tonight um, uh, because I think, I think that single uh, encapsulates everything that I'm trying to get across tonight. Um, thank you for it all. Talk to me about that. Give me 30 seconds of talking to me about it. And, and if you would, don't you want to sing a little bit of it?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, quickly, um, thank you for it all. The reason why it works so very well right now is because with everything that we're going through, I mean, literally, with COVID and, and uh, systemic racism and, and all of the things we're experiencing. You know, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to give God thanks in everything. In all not things. Your thanks, it, that's right. All things. So thank you for it all speaks to that. And uh, my goodness. I thank you for it all. The good, bad, the ugly, great, and small. Times of victory, and when I fall, I'm so grateful that I'm still standing tall. I thank you for my tears. Mm. And the pain helped me overcome my fears. You've been good to me down throughout the years. It's a miracle that I'm still standing here. All that I am is because of all that you brought me through. And everything I survive is all because of you. I'm grateful for you.
3: (laughs) Bishop Marvin Sapp. Listen, everybody, get that single. Thank you for it all.
1: That was uh, Marvin Sapp gospel singer and a pastor, or a bishop actually, was Dr. Sean McMillan. The Book of Sean is his YouTube title. Here's another Marvin Bishop singing
0: touch somebody on your right or your left look at him and smile and say he's been better than good to me some of y'all still quiet I'm looking right at you I said touch your neighbor and just tell him quickly he has been better than good to me some of y'all still quiet I don't think you believe it yet tell them, say he's been better than good to me now if you know he's been better than good why don't you act like it Why don't you open up your mouth and bless the name of your God, because he has been better than Really do. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate his flexibility. Make sure y'all here for him tomorrow and matter of fact you got all kappas this week did you know that you you got you, 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 kappa last night kappa tonight kappa tomorrow night it's gonna be some crimson flow up in here i'm telling you that and so we're grateful to god and I, I thank god for him i really do because at, at the most difficult challenging moment in my life when I was really trying to figure things out again, uh, he made space for me, and 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 that's that's amazing. Uh, the conference that he does every year, and uh, I called. they would asked me to come for years, and I never came. And uh, I was just trying to get my life back on course, trying to reignite my passion, and picked up the phone and called and said, can I please come to the conference? They said, Marvel, we don't have no space. I said, I don't even have to stay where y'all stay. If y'all just find me a little shanty over in the corner somewhere, just give me a pallet and a pillow. I can't get no help here. I guess y'all don't know what no pallet is. Y'all live up this way. Give me a pallet and a pillow, I'll be fine. They found a space for me, and they allowed me to come. And I, I'm never gonna miss uh, because it, th- last year in particular, last year in particular, is what helped me where I am now. Last year in particular. This year, actually, and it was it was in February, March. This year, they talked about succession, and I just took over a pastor that has pastored 40 years and the church is turning 100 years of age and they installed me on Sunday as the senior pastor in Fort Worth, Texas and the tools that you the tools that you all used that week literally is helping me transition and shift I'll tell anybody when when God tells you to, to do something that is outside of your comfort zone um, it's, it's a strange thing. Um, yeah, I started my church. I, I'm not going to preach long anyway, so I'm good. I'm looking at the clock. Uh, I started my church 16 years ago. I planted it. And uh, when God spoke to me and told me that it was time for me to go, I rejected it. I, re- I rejected it three prophetic words to come to me and tell me Marvin it's time for you to leave Grand Rapids and I rejected all three of them because I was looking at my church and I was like okay God we we about to be dead free and I've been pastoring for 16 years without a salary of any sort now you're gonna tell me that after I have paid this thing off that it's time for me to go I'm casting out this imagination and everything that exalted itself uh, this the devil so I packed my bags by myself left a 7,000 square foot home on three acres and right now I'm staying in an 864 square foot apartment y'all don't understand I walk in my apartment and I looked around. And I said, "God, this just this this can't be you that I'm living like this." And I went by myself, and no one's down there with me. But when I tell you, in the last eight weeks, God has literally shown me that this is where I'm supposed to be. It's amazing. And for no other reason, yesterday it was 77 degrees and sunny. I was driving with my top down in November. Now, some of y'all may not understand the significance. I have been in Grand Rapids, Michigan my entire life. There's snow on the ground where I live right now. And I called back and told the saints, man, 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 The Gospel according to St. Luke chapter number six. The Gospel according to St. Luke chapter number six. I'm an expository preacher. I like to deal directly with the text upon my completion of exegeting the text to the best of my ability. I go to my seat. But can I sing a little bit of something? Listen. Now, if I sang that, would have made it right now. Ain't nobody going to be here but me and Dr. Scott. You ain't leaving me. You stay until I finish preaching. I'll sing it after I preach there is a song that I keep hearing. I keep hearing it. Put me an E-flat, uh, T. No, that's not it. It's A-flat. No weapon for Duncan's me shall prosper. a man that he should lie, he will come through, God will do what he said he's gonna do, not a man that he should lie, no, he will come through, oh. This moment now we pray that you would walk them and down each and every aisle that you would each and every seat that you would sit on each and every person do not allow them to leave here the same way they came into these doors but allow there to be a metamorphosis that takes place always as always though you wait around execute your will and your authority we made up in our minds we purposed in our hearts that we're going to give you praise honor and glory now God breathe in this house Like never before. Anoint me indeed afresh and anew the anointing that causes teaching and preaching to be easy when yokes will not be broken. Because indeed broken things can be fixed, but yokes will be destroyed under the weight of your glory. I thank you even now. I praise you even that much the more. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone in the building said, Amen. Gospel going to Saint Luke chapter number six quickly. I'm also going to say Luke chapter number six quickly. Amen. Amen. I love a, I love a church that honors the word of the Lord. Verse six. When you get there, just holler at me. Say, I got it. If you don't have it, say, wait up. It's on the screen. It's on the screen. No, but the writer says, it says, and it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man which had the withered hand, rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose, and he stood forth. Then Jesus said unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. If, if I could, Bishop, if I could, if I could tonight, I, I want I want to look at verse verse ten because it says something I think that we need to examine for a little while tonight. Note what the writer says. It says in verse ten, and and looking round about upon them all. That he said to the man, stretch forth thy hand. And scripture says, and he did so. Y'all, y'all missed it, y'all missed it. <clears throat> he, he checks out everybody that was within his ability to see. After looking at everybody that was in the synagogue, the writer declares that he makes a decision to focus on one individual after he focuses on that one individual he gives that one individual a command and the command was very simply stretch forth thy hand and scripture says and he did so y'all missed it one more time He, he, he checks out everybody that was in the building After looking at everybody that was in the building, he makes a decision to focus on one individual. After he focuses on that one individual, he gives that one individual an instruction and or a command. And the command or the instruction was to stretch forth thy hand. And scripture says, and he did so y'all missed it one more time He, he looks at everybody that was in the space and in the place after looking at everybody that was in the space and in the place he makes a decision to not talk to them but he focuses on one individual and after focusing on that one individual he gives that one individual an instruction or a command and that instruction or that command was to stretch forth your hand and scripture says, and he did so. Y'all, y'all missed it one more time, one more time. He, he checks out everybody that's in the building. But after checking out everybody in the building, he looks at one individual. And after looking at that one individual, he gives that one individual an instruction. And that instruction was very simply, stretched forth by hand. And the Bible says, and he did so. Just look at somebody real fast before you take your seat and look at them and smile. Some of y'all ain't smiled since seven fresh fires ago. And while you smile at them, tell them, say, neighbor, I don't know about you tonight. But one thing I do know, that is, I am the one. That's what I want to talk about for a few moments. Just touch somebody, say, I am I'm going to talk about for a little while. I am the one. I am the one. My beloved brothers, sisters, all of you who are part of the household of faith, indeed because of his death, his burial, his resurrection, which has in turn made us all heirs and again, joint heirs. There are many things that I've learned. Many, many things that I've learned over the Last 36 years that I've been a born again believer. Many things I've learned over the last 36 years that I have been a born again believer. There are many things that I've learned over the last 30 years of full time ministry. Many things that I've learned over the last 30 years of full time ministry be it preaching and or singing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are many things I've learned over the last 26 years of pastoral responsibility, be it that I was a youth pastor for 10 years and then walking in the office of a senior pastor for the last 16, many things I've learned over the last 26 years of being a pastor. But one thing that I've learned, beloved brothers and sisters, is I've learned that one of the most difficult things about being a child of the king, one of the most difficult things about being a child of the king is simply cultivating the ability to see what you don't see. I'm going somewhere with this. I've learned that one of the most difficult things about being a child of the king, one of the most difficult things about being a believer, It's literally cultivating the ability to see what you don't see. Being able, beloved brothers and sisters, in other words, to expand your faith literally beyond personal expectations. This can be challenging. It can be challenging on so many levels. It can be challenging for so many reasons. It can be challenging simply because it deals with, beloved brothers and sisters, literally believing beyond reason for example for example it deals with the whole concept and aspect as you as an individual believer having to put your faith in someone that people cannot see but you know that he's there it deals with the whole concept and aspect of you as an individual believer having to put your faith into someone that people cannot hear but he, speaks to you in a still, small voice. It deals with the whole consummate aspect of you having to put your faith into someone that people can't feel. But the reality is, is that you sense his tender touch on an ongoing basis. The fact of the matter is, is that if you have not learned anything in the last how many years you have been a born-again believer, you should have learned by now, beloved brothers and sisters, that building your faith, Can absolutely positively be a grueling experience and that the reason why it can be a grueling experience is because if you have not learned yet you should have learned by now that to develop it you have to literally have the capacity to look beyond traumatic occurrences you have to possess the ability if you will to get past challenging mishaps and many times beloved brothers and sisters you even have to get past faithless people in order to get exactly what it is that God promised that you are supposed to have. And therein lies the challenge, my beloved brothers and sisters. There lies the challenge. The challenge, it isn't getting past, if you will, difficult circumstances because we as individuals have learned, if you will, how to navigate through those things. <clears throat> it isn't us getting past challenging mishaps because we have learned how to even navigate through those things as well. And we've learned how to compartmentalize and put them away and put them in their proper space and put them in their proper place. But the challenge is getting past the opinions and unsolicited commentary of people who literally don't have the power to deliver you. It's quiet, but I'm going somewhere tonight. And therein lies the challenge, beloved brothers and sisters, the challenge is in getting past your circumstances that may be hard, the challenges in getting past uh, difficulties that may be a challenge. But the challenge is just getting past the opinions of people who name the name of Christ, who feel like that they have a responsibility to share with you and to tell you how it is that God is supposed to work in your life. And that's why in this season of your life, it's so very important that when you come to the house of God, that your focus should not be on who he is or who is not there. But that your mentality and your mindset ought to be that whenever I come into the house of God, I'm coming to the house of God with the mindset and the mentality that I'm not going to leave here until I get exactly what I came here for. There's no need of me having to fight through traffic to get to the house of God and allow myself to be distracted by an individual that does not have the same need that I have. Does it make sense that I had to come from work and after being there eight hours today or 10 hours and having to deal with every type of heathen there was on my job? and then have to come to the house of god and have to sit next to somebody that's going to try to dictate how it is that god is going to flow and function in my life I made up in my mind that when I walk through those doors that my mentality and my mindset is is that I'm not coming to touch anybody other than him even if the preacher tells me to tap my neighbor I may tap him they may tell me to reach out and grab him I may reach out and grab him may tell me to hug on him I may hug on him but the reality is is that I understand that that's not the touch that I really came here for can I preach like I feel like preaching So my mentality is that whenever I come into the house of God, that my mentality is again, is that I'm not going to leave here until I get exactly what I came here for. That I'm solely focusing on experiencing God and receiving the breakthrough that I desire from him. However, this can be easier said than done because sometimes again, people want to dictate when and for whom God should move for and therein lies the problem. The problem is, is that people think that church, catch this, is like their job. And because they think that church is like their job, they think that because they've been here a certain amount of years that they have tenure. I can't get no help and because they have tenure they want to explain to me how it is that God is going to function in my life but if you ever spend any time in the Bible you would know to notice that God always performs differently in every individual's life prove it to me Bishop I think I will because there was a time when he told one man to go dip down in a dirty river but then there was one time that he spit on the ground made clay put it on somebody's eyes but then there was another time that he spit in somebody's face but then there was another time when he told them that as they go that they were going to be healed but then there was another time when he didn't even tell this particular person how they were going to be healed all they did was sneak up behind him and touch the hem of their garment what are you trying to tell me bishop I'm trying to tell you stop listening to people who are trying to tell you how it is that God is going to work in your life but your mentality ought to be when And that's why in this season of your life, beloved brothers and sisters, you are going to have to go by yourself sometimes. In this season of your life, you are going to have to stand by yourself sometimes. In in this season of your life, you're going to have to silence your critics. You're going to have to tell the people that are close to you, don't say another word. Why? Why? Because I'm waiting to hear from God and I know that if he gives me the right instruction that everything that's in my life that's wrong is gonna be made right and maybe I'm not talking to everybody but I know I'm talking to at least about 1600 of you tonight that came up in this house with a mentality and a mindset that God I cannot leave here the same way I came into these doors because I've been catching too much hell I've been dealing with too many situations And God, I need you to straighten this thing out before years end. I stopped by here to encourage you tonight just to tell you that if you just follow his instructions, breakthrough is not going to happen next year. It's not going to happen next month. It's not going to happen next week. But I promise you it's going to happen in the next few minutes because I brought the anointing in the house and the breaker is about to set you free. And i preach like i feel like preaching prove that fact to me bishop marvin let's look at the text here let's look at the text because it's in the text where we see this whole thing as it pertains to following the instructions no no what and sisters because it's in our text today we find Jesus watch this he has just entered into a place by the name of Galilee and the Bible begins to let us know that he's not there for any other reason than to function in his purpose on that day what was his purpose but the Bible says that after he arrives there watch this on the Sabbath that he goes to the synagogue why is he going to the synagogue Bishop Marvin I'm so very glad you asked me because the reason why he is going to the synagogue because his assignment for that day was to teach in the synagogue. His assignment was to teach the people that was in the synagogue. So Jesus now, he is there in the synagogue. He is there for the purpose of teaching in the synagogue and he is functioning in the purpose of God for his life. While he is there, catch this, he's looking at the august body of people that were in the synagogue on that day and while he is looking at the august body of people that was in the synagogue the Bible says something that blows me away what does it say to you Bishop Marvin the Bible says that he notices that there is a specific man that was in the crowd catch this who had a noticeable disability Y'all going to get in in a few minutes. He had a noticeable disability. It was not something that he could hide. It was not something that he could disguise. It was not something that he could conceal. But even though he could not hide it, even though he could not disguise it, even though he could not conceal it, he was still there for the worship experience. Okay, y'all going to get in in a few minutes. I'm going to say it to you one more time. Let me make it even practical and plainer. Jesus shows up as the the guest evangelist for this specific reason he is there to teach in the synagogue and he is the guest speaker for that day he shows up and after looking at the august body of individuals that was in the synagogue on that day he notices that there is a man in the synagogue catch this who had a noticeable disability not something that he could conceal but even though he could not disguise it, even though he could not hide it, even though he could not conceal it, catch this, he made up in his mind that I'm not going to allow my condition to keep me from my worship experience. Oh I wish in this 21st century, in this year 2019 as we get ready to enter into 2020, I wish that Them. as soon as they see your challenge as soon as they see your issue the first thing that you want to do is is you want to stay home and you want to have a pity party. You want to put on that old tacky robe. I can't get no help up in here. That old tacky lace front you still ain't seeing nothing. Them old church as a matter of fact there was a whole lot of folk that had babies out of wedlock they just had them before you knew about it I can't get no help here touch somebody say don't you stop coming to church so what they saw you with a crack pipe and now you done got a little bit delivered you might not be totally delivered but you still come to God's house why because if you keep coming to God's house you might have an affliction right now but after a while you gonna run into Jesus and he gonna turn that thing around look at somebody and tell them don't you stop coming to church oh come on come on talk to somebody tell them say don't stop coming to church so what you done made a mistake you still keep coming so what you done fell short you still keep coming so what folks saw you do it the fact of the matter is is that the only reason why they saw you do it is because they was there doing the same thing don't you stop coming to church can I preach like I feel like preaching ah so bishop this is what's messing me up because as I begin to look at this particular passage of scripture what's so mind blowing is is that it goes even deeper it it tells us watch this that this man had a noticeable disability he had a, a noticeable disability but then as I begin to read a bit deeper I begin to note if you will and notice that Luke the physician he goes for him and he begins to literally identify exactly what his condition was he goes on and he says that this man had a withered hand but that's not what blew my mind what blew my mind was is that he goes and he begins to identify which hand was withered now let me pause here for a minute because I, I'm the type of preacher that whenever I read something in scripture like that I, I, I try to take it literal so so, so when I noticed that he said that the man's right hand was withered immediately what I decided to do was is I decided this to literally cancel out all the left handed people so I said well this, this this passage of scripture cannot be for the left handed individuals it must be just for the right handed individuals in particular he said no Marvin you got to examine this thing even that much the deeper so as I began to examine it that much the deeper it began to really blow my mind I said God what are you trying to tell me he said well Marvin you need to understand the significance of what I'm trying to share I said well the scripture says that the man's right hand was withered he said yes I said well what is the importance of us identifying that it was his right hand he said well you need to examine it as I begin to look a little deeper I found out that the right hand catch this in scripture it speaks of authority uh, turn to somebody say he's going somewhere I said, touch your doggone neighbor and tell him, say he's going somewhere with this. So I began to ask God, I said, God, the right hand speaks of authority. He said, yes. I said, so can you make this thing the plainer for me? Can you please? He says, well, Marvin, you need to understand that the devil is not concerned with your shout. I said, he's not concerned with my shout. He says, no, son. He he, he does not care about the fact that you're shouting. I said, okay. He says, the devil don't care nothing about you running around the church. I said, really? You don't care about if I do a victory lap? He said, no. He said, he don't even care if you speak with other tongues. I said, really? He don't care if I speak with other tongues? He said, no. I said, well, why doesn't he care about my shout? Why doesn't he care about my dance? Why doesn't he care about my run? Why doesn't he care about any of the things that I think that's important? He said, the reason why, Marvin, is because that's not what the enemy is after in this season. I said, well, can you tell me what the enemy is after? He says, Marvin, he's after your right hand. I said he's after my right hand he said yes he said what the enemy is after in this season he's not after your shout he's not after your dance he's not after your run he's not after your tongue what the enemy is after is he's after the authority that I have released into your hands Uh, y'all looking at me strange so let me stay here for a minute because there was a time in the church of God and y'all ain't gonna like this but I'm gonna stay here anyway there was a time in the church of God that people would come to the church for one purpose and one purpose only. They came to the house of God because they wanted to be delivered. Okay, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Uh, they came because they wanted to be delivered. They, they wanted to be set free. There was a time when the mothers of the church, uh, that when folk were sick and when they had diseases, that the first thing they would do is they would call for the elders. They would they would run to the mothers of the church and, and they would have them to pray. Why? Because there when the church had something called power. Okay, y'all ain't gonna like me no more. Uh, But now we're living in a day and in a time which the church gotta shout, but we don't have power. We know how to praise and worship, but we don't have no power. But God told me to tell you that in this season, what the enemy has taken from us, he's about to give back to us. Uh, Just look at somebody and tell them, say, I'm about to get my power back. That's why the devil's been running you at your house. That's that's why the enemy been fighting you in your marriage, and it looks like he's winning because you don't have no more power. He he's been messing with you and your children, and you've been wondering when is this going to end? God says it's about to end real soon. He said, Because the night when you go home, you're about to do something you ain't even thought about doing in a very long time. You're about to grab your oil, and you're about to walk in your house, and you're gonna grab your baby sneaker, and you're gonna plead the blood over your baby. You're going to put some oil on your husband's pillow. You're going to go through your job and say the blood, the blood, the blood. Just look at somebody and tell him he's about to get my power back. That's why you got to keep coming to church. Because if you keep coming to church, he's going to turn some things around. If you keep coming to church, you're going to run into your power. Y'all sit down, give me a few more minutes. Ah, But that's not what's blown my mind. What what blows my mind is when we begin to look at the text, catch this. When we begin to look at the text, Bishop, the first thing that we notice is, is that God, or rather that Jesus notices a man who has a withered hand. Uh, but, But notice, if you will, that he was not the only one that was in the worship experience. The Bible begins to let us know that there were scribes and that there were Pharisees that was in the worship experience as well but you need to understand catch this that the scribes and the Pharisees that they were not there to worship him they were not there to experience worship they were there for the sole purpose catch this of making sure and ensuring oh y'all gonna get upset with me making sure and ensuring that the traditions and the customs that they were accustomed to that they were not upset or disrupted oh God it's quiet I'm going to say it one more time I'm going to say it one more time these scribes and these Pharisees they were not there for the worship experience they were there for the sole purpose of policing Jesus making sure that Jesus didn't do anything that disrupted their customs y'all ain't going to say amen or disrupted anything that was normal for them and I I got confused about this because uh, the the fact that they asked Jesus to come speak in the synagogue should have told them something. They should have told them the simple fact that whenever Jesus shows up, he shows up to disrupt your traditions. Uh, Y'all ain't going to talk to me. I'm by myself. Maybe y'all ain't read the Bible that I read. But when I read my Bible, I know and notice that whenever Jesus shows up in a situation, he shows up to disrupt what you have been comfortable with. And somebody in here is looking at me angrily now but, But let me drop a real bomb in this building If your worship service has been the same for years I want to suggest to you that Jesus quite possibly has not showed up Because whenever Jesus shows up He's going to shift and shake up some stuff just look at somebody and tell them I need Jesus to show up some of y'all still looking at me I said touch your doggone neighbor and tell them say I need Jesus to show up I need him to shake up and shift some stuff in my church I'm tired of the same old service I'm tired of the same old move I'm, I'm tired of the same old okey doke experience God why don't you just blow our minds this Sunday and fall into place to the point Your presence is shaken up. Can I feel? I I feel him. I feel him in the building. And ah, so, what's happening here now is that the Bible begins to blow our minds because it begins to let us know that the Pharisees and the Scribes were there, and they weren't there for the purpose of worshiping and magnifying God. But again, they were there for the sole purpose of ensuring—catch this—that their traditions were not upset. That their traditions were not upset. That they were there to make sure that their customs were stunted. That they stayed in order. That they stayed in place and what I've learned is beloved brothers and sisters is I've learned that there are two types of people Watch this that come to church week after week I've learned that there are two types of people that come to church week after week the first type of people that come to church week after week are those that come to encounter God they come to encounter God in other words before they left their house they, they put a mandate on him they put a mandate on him they they told God I don't know what the preacher gonna preach I don't know what the singer gonna sing I don't I I don't know what the praise team gonna do but one thing I do know is is that I've been going through too much this week to come to church and not get something from you God I'm coming into the house of God with a mentality and a mindset that I don't need them to preach me happy I don't need them to sing me happy I'm coming with my happy y'all ain't gonna help me here I'm showing up with it on me because I have been through too much hell to come to the house of God and leave here even more to deb- than I was when I came in the door so there are people that come with an expectation they come with a mentality they come with a mindset they come with a focus of encountering God but then there are other individuals that show up catch this, those who are struck in the traditions of their mindsets those who want to maintain the structural form of what they have become accustomed to those are individuals that don't come to encounter God but they come to counter God y'all going to get it in a few minutes They don't come to encounter God, they come to counter God. And the reason why they come to counter God is because they're stuck. Oh God I can't get no help here Just touch somebody say don't get stuck don't, don't, don't get stuck Some of y'all still looking at me I said touch your neighbor And tell them say please don't get stuck What are they stuck They're stuck on the word That they heard before Because the reality is, is I've not learned anything I've learned that you cannot live Off of what you have heard You can only live off of what you are hearing Okay y'all gonna get in in a few minutes You cannot live off of what you have heard You can only live off of what you are hearing Prove that principle to me Bishop Marvin I think I will Come here Abraham I need a witness I need you to testify Abraham would testify I know exactly what he's talking about Because there was a time in my life When God approached me About what he promised me He asked me to offer up as a sacrifice Not my mistake Ishmael But he asked me to offer up Isaac Isaac I I submitted to the will of the father so now I'm on my way to offer up sacrifice walk with me slow please I'm on my way to offer up sacrifice it's Abraham and Isaac and his men they get to the base of the mountain and the Bible says that he leaves his men at the base of the mountain with the asses and then the Bible says that Isaac and his father are now on their way up to the mountain to offer up sacrifice I can see Isaac having a conversation with his father and the conversation with something like this, daddy, 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 I, I, I see I see the wood, I see the wood, daddy, I, I see the wood. I, I see the fire too, daddy, because you got the fire in your hand. I see the fire, but I don't see no sacrifice. I, I can see Abraham talking to his baby boy and saying, don't worry about it, son. Why? Because the Lord will provide. Get to the top of the mountain, family.